You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Nicks. I'm joined by my brother Kenny and our good friend Tom Piccolo. Very exciting week of Nick basketball, if you don't count the beginning of the week or the middle. Then we just focus on the end. So let's talk Knicks. All right. How's everybody doing today? Kenny, we'll start with you. Doing pretty well. Can't really complain about uh, stuff too much. It was a beautiful weekend. Uh, I don't know if you guys walked outside at all, but it was like... 60s throughout the weekend so um went for some some walks in the outdoors went for my first run since uh, a half marathon in november that went terribly if you're wondering um i can't really move or walk anymore just went for a three miler and uh you know watch watch the villanova basketball game yesterday and the new york knicks basketball game today spoiler alert both wins for the teams i was rooting for so that was nice how about how about you greg how was your weekend, or do you want to skip to Tom? That was good. I went out to lunch with our parents yesterday because they invited us, and I'm a good child, so I did that. I didn't. Oh, yeah, we noticed. We talked about it a lot. <laughs> Mandy was there. I was there. Robbie was excused absence. Uh, Tom, how about you? Hey, guys. How are you? No, my weekend was good. It, the weather was gorgeous. It sounds like we have we had like an active guy's weekend here i went for some long walks went for a run as well kenny um went okay how was your run it, it was all right you know i i ran with my wife rose uh for the listeners she she was like a, a d1 cross-country track athlete so she is fast and she kind of just like drags me out there on these on these runs that we went for five miles it was pretty miserable actually i i hadn't run in several months and uh yeah tom let's Let's not let's not you know hide the ball here. You were quite a a cross country runner back in middle school. Don't don't lie to the the viewers like that. That's true. In the early two thousands, at the very beginning of this millennium, that was that was a whole different ball game. And I would have taken myself over her in a race. Sixth grade me versus sixth grade Rose. But times have changed. And uh, but no, you know we we did some other stuff. I actually went out to to lunch with. My twin brother and his wife and their four-month-old daughter, Parker, that was uh, very lovely, too. So some good family time, some good outdoors time, and today, some good Knicks time. Wow, perfect segue. I'm not even ready to move on, but the perfect segue, <laughs> I, I have to. No, we can go back. To, I also went to the climbing gym and, uh, and climbed some rock walls. Last weekend, I took Kenny <laughs> there. And, yep, uh, I was there. And Kenny did a great job. I mean, it was his first time, and he got up that... Got up some rock walls and it was pretty fun. Pretty fun. Good. Yeah, yeah. I, I anticipate I'll, I'll be back there again soon. Um, um, I, I told my girlfriend that I think I'm going to get into rock climbing, and she isn't as excited as I am about it, but she she was supportive still. So I'm I'm sure we'll be back out there if you guys are looking for us. You'll you'll find us. You know, climbing up the side of a mountain. We'll be somewhere. We'll be slowly transitioning to a, a rock climbing podcast. I- I'm okay with that. That's the goal. For some reason. 
Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm not going to rock climb. I haven't rock climbed since I was about, I don't know, one of those like fourth grade birthday parties when I was like, this is kind of lame. <laughs> I think <laughs> the last time <laughs> the last time I rock climbed before I went with Tom might have been like our grad night in high school. There was like a, a rock wall that we were climbing up. So that was it. Actually, There's a picture of me somewhere. I actually didn't think it was lame in fourth grade. I was just saying that to get get a, I'm just getting. I'm just no, that was cool you guys. But at the same time, even if <laughs> even yeah. if you didn't rock climb, I don't think that would stop you from potting about it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll like I didn't watch anything. the first two Knicks games, but I'm still here potting about it. All right, how many <laughs> transitions do I have to do? All right, let's do this. All right, this week the Knicks went one and three, but it was a good one. But that wasn't that was the last one of the week. We'll get to that at the end. First game of the week, Knicks against the NBA leading Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis lost. Second game of the week. Jazz, number two seed in the West <laughs> currently. On. Lost. Next game of the Moving week. On. Pelicans, who have been hot recently, even though they're still like not very good. But I guess they've been one of the net rating darlings recently Knicks lost that one and still missing um zion williamson former nick great and lastly the heat we played them came into the game with the third best record in the nba and the Knicks won so words is gonna be a very confused pod so so we're like either the third or the second best team in the nba based on that definitely wouldn't be the second best based on that well, if we're better than if we're better if, if they're the third best team and we're better than them, then that would move us up to second. It was my logic game there. That the logic is not correct. Okay, there would still be two teams ahead. Okay, so let's do this. The Laker game. The Knicks lost eighty-seven to one seventeen. Uh, maybe it was closer than the score, but it wasn't close. Uh, Knicks lost the fourth quarter, seventeen to thirty-two. So that that doubled the lead. So they were losing by 15 after three and 30 after four. So not the best showing. Uh, on the the good side of things, R.J. Barrett had another good game, nine for 19 from the field, 19 points. He's been uh, bouncing back. Uh, he's uh, he's been very inconsistent, but this week he was pretty good. I mean, at least based on the Laker game and the Heat game. Well, you guys have any thoughts on this Laker game? I mean, the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. So we we didn't expect much. Knicks competed for a quarter and then the wheels kind of fell off. They got kind of close again, respectable at least in the third quarter, but then it uh, it ended after. Yeah, so like like I mentioned, I did not watch this game. Um it was on far too yep. late for me and by the time like I I got around to like seeing the score, I was like I don't I don't want to watch that at all. I did watch some R.J. Barrett highlights, though, and he definitely came out aggressively, um, shot well from the field, especially from, from two. I see he was 0 for 2 from three. But I don't know. The, the one thing that uh, on the negative side, if I, if I have to point something out, is just like, hmm. which I don't, but I will anyway. R.J. Barrett uh, finished with zero assists and, to three turnovers, which is just weird for him. And I mentioned this, Greg, on our midweek pod. is like Barrett just hasn't been playmaking as much. Um under Mike Miller, I don't know what that is. If it's if the offense just hasn't been setting him up to be in those kinds of situations, but um, I don't know. The, the zero assist thing is just strange for me because R.J. Barrett is a strong passer, 
and uh, and I think he can. He just has potential to be a lot better than that. But I mean, this game at the end of the day, uh, again, I didn't even watch it. So what do I know? I don't. I know nothing. Yeah, Tom. I um, this game started at what, like eleven o'clock? Yeah, ten ten thirty was the start. It was like the what they tell you. So it was after that. So yeah, I I also did not catch most of this game. I watched watched some of the highlights. Um, I've read some of the articles. Uh, I didn't see it, but I believe there. I believe some of the articles said that there were a bunch of technical or flagrant fouls called in the Knicks. Everyone was getting them. Uh, our boy Crazy Eyes Bobby Portis got ejected for uh, bopping KCP on the head, which I, I think I told you guys I think was a, a benefit to the Lakers because that was his first good game of the season after he got bopped on the head. So maybe he, maybe maybe Bobby Portis fixed KCP. Um, and then I think one of the big stories from this game was um, uh, a- Anthony Davis falling on his keister. Uh, hurt, <laughs> hurt. I'm not laughing at the injury, just the way you phrased it. That's yeah, it, yeah, yeah that is what happened. His keister. Um, I don't know how much of this has has to do with you know revenge for Ron Baker and his broken face at the hands of Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis did leave the game, and um, you know from the stories afterwards, it sounded like uh, there was a very poignant moment between him and and LeBron James, where you know Anthony Davis on the best team in the NBA going against uh, one of the worst teams in the NBA, just told LeBron to go out there and get this W, you know, one of those win one for the Gipper speeches. And uh, LeBron, to his credit, beat one of the worst teams in the NBA. So good good for him. Yeah, it was a very good use of Anthony Davis's dying breath. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sounded like the lamest, like, avenge me sort of comment he could have possibly made so like i said then the lakers were winning by uh 17 at halftime so <laughs> you know yeah i mean finish this 17 point lead off so at the time of the injury they were up 62 to 81 so they were up by 19 points tough and so you know i mean i, I did watch this game to start uh i think the lakers they said they had like 20 blocks the previous game so that was something to watch out for, and they ju- they just block. They do. They got Javale, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard all in the middle at various points of time. They just block everything, and the refs. Uh, I think there was a few goaltends mixed in there. And none of them were called, but it's just one of those things where if you just goaltend every shot, are the refs really gonna just call goaltending every time? You know. I think that was um that was a Patrick Ewing thing in college one year. Uh, I think it was John Thompson just told him to go out there and just set the tone. And so anything that was thrown at the rim, he was goaltending everything and just swatting everything away. Yes. And, uh, and so that it looked like that was a strategy. I think that was the Villanova game that they lost the championship. Oh, so it was a bad strategy. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it was a strategy nonetheless to set the tone. And in this game, the refs didn't call any of the goaltends, so – it was a, it was good strategy this time. Yep. I think we could move on from that one into another another doozer, uh, snoozer, doozer. Is that a term? It's a doozy. I don't know. Knicks, doozy. Jazz. <laughs> Second night of a back to back for the Knicks, which I mean the Knicks are already at a million disadvantages, <laughs> and this is the second night of a back to back. Marcus Morris didn't play this whole week. Well, I'll throw that in as well. I mean he's the leading scorer on the Knicks. Uh, 
Jazz just came out, just beat the Knicks from the beginning to the end. 19-point lead at halftime, 24-point lead at the end of the game. Not fun, I would say. Uh, I had... I had a little bit of fun because this was a good Frank game, and so like every one, once in every like ten games, I get to like have a little fun even when they lose because Frank had a good game. So that's all that matters to me. Okay, that's that's uh, yeah. So I mean, if you want to talk about that, or you just want to say that. Uh, I mean, I can I can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Frank came out very aggressive. Um, I think he had he had a, a nice. Was this the game where it was like that? He started out with a nice fake dump off pass, and then went in for a layup, and then he hit a couple uh, like mid range jumpers, and had a couple nice passes. So like he he came out aggressive, and I think I tweeted out at the beginning of the game this is going to be a good Frank game, and he scored I think it was seven points in the first two minutes he was in the game. So like if he could do that for an entire game, like that'd be that'd be a very good game for for a person. That'd be like I don't know. Yeah, it was seven times seven times twenty four. Very that many points. Very strong pace. So he also scored seven points very quickly against the Lakers. So it was back to back strong starts. Uh, Lakers game he had less of a didn't continue on. This game he was better. Uh, six or ten from the field, sixteen points in nine minutes, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, plus ten in a game that was lost by twenty four. Zero very turnovers. Love that. Yep. The plus 10 in a game that you lost by 24 is pretty crazy. And he, he only played 19 minutes, so that means that in the 29 minutes, am I doing that math right? Yeah. 29 minutes without him on the floor, they lost by 34. So that's – they were minus 34 in the 29 minutes he wasn't on the floor, oh, which is crazy. Alfred Payton minus 33 in 24 minutes. There you go. We may be, we may be talking time. about him throughout this podcast. Naturally, I mean, aside from the fact that he's on the Knicks – He'll be a focal point. Yep. And then, um, side note, I don't know if we want to get into this or or not, but Bobby Portis got another similar flagrant foul for bopping another guy in the head. So <laughs> That is just so <laughs> lame. So, uh, like, one of these days, like I don't know, coming into the season, the Knicks were just, like, saying how they are all dogs and they were tough and we're going to go back to 90s Knicks basketball. And, like, so many times they'll just – be a tough guy at the complete wrong time with the wrong opportunity and just like hurt the team. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter that much because this game was another blowout, but like Bobby Portis does this a lot. And I feel like Marcus Morris does too. And like they'll, they'll like try and be this tough guy and just like completely hurt the team in the process. It's like, you can be tough and still help the team. Just let's try that. Like set a hard screen or box someone out and grab a rebound. Like, do something good with that energy. But but Portis, that's asking too much for him. And I'll say on the um, I, and I, I haven't I don't remember what happened in the Utah game, but I saw the one that he got kicked out for, and like, it was he should have been kicked out, but it didn't look like a dirty play to me. It looked like he, and I think R.J. Barrett said this when he was talking to Rajon Rondo. It looked like he went for the ball, but he just missed it. And, like, his arm on the follow-through, no one can see me, so I don't know why I'm doing this on the video, but uh, his arm on the follow-through got uh, Caldwell Pope on the head. It's like, definitely should have gotten kicked out, but it didn't look like it was an intentional dirty play. Yeah, and it's it's Bobby Portis. If if he wanted to be intentional, you would know it. Yeah. Ask, ask Miritich. Ask him. We actually got Miritich on the line. So, Nikola. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Um. 
On, on the other side, for the Jazz, Emmanuel Moutier came off the bench, scored 20 points on 8 for 12 shooting. Fortunately for us, Fisdale developed him so he could do this for a different team. But yep. apparently he's been, like, not doing that. So Moutier was nobbing us. Yeah. That's exactly That's what happened, yeah. From what I understand, like, Jazz fans hate Moutier. And, and why wouldn't they? Yeah, so I think this was kind of an anomaly, and he just – he. he he did a Bobby Portis revenge game against us. He nobbed us. So it's funny how that happens, though. The one time we see Moody, hey, he's just balling. And we're like, damn, we let that guy go. But yeah, in reality, and, he's bad. Yeah, and while Wally Zerbiak said multiple times in like a two minute period that he looked slimmed down, he looked more athletic, and there was one move that he had where he finished through contact. And I know that was a huge thing for Tom all last year that like. Moutier was supposed to be this big guard, and he just had no ability to finish through contact. And like I was like, oh, maybe that's something. But it sounds like it wasn't. It sounds like this is just a – that was an outlier to the normal situation. This is just a David Nwaba classic. Yep. So, next game, Pelicans against the Knicks. Pelicans come out firing, just make every three from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Uh, in reality, they shot 47% from three, made 18 out of 38. That's pretty good. Knicks, less so, made five out of 27. That's 18.5%. So when you get you get outscored by 39, 39 points at the three-point line. That'll do it. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to mention about this one. Yeah, it's tough to come back from that deficit. But actually, we're, we're kind of operating on a little bit of a lag. But this is the second game where – um, Julius Randle didn't play. So yeah. Marcus Morris missed all the games this week, and Julius Randle missed two. And it was these two here. It was the Jazz game and this Pelicans game. Um, that was, they were saying it was for personal reasons. Did you guys catch what the what those reasons were? Yes, and I think I there was a lot of speculation going into this after the Lakers game, and someone like tweeted out that they were at the – they were at the game and like they saw him in the hallway arguing with with Scott Perry and I I don't know if that's true but it turns out um, I think his grandmother died so like the original tweet from a reliable source said that he was very emotional after the game um, and I, and it seems like it was for actual personal reasons rather than for for professional basketball reasons. Yeah. So yeah, that's well, that's unfortunate. Um, sorry to hear that, but. I mean, Randall played really well in this in this game we'll get to today for Miami, but he was obviously missed in this Pelicans one too. Um, I don't know. I I watched this game unlike the last two, and not a ton stood out to me. Like it was just kind of a blah game. There was not a great deal of effort. Taj Gibson came out firing, like he was eight for eight from the field, and uh, finished with nineteen points, eight boards. Like he looked strong out there, but for the most part, like. I don't know. There was there wasn't a lot to get excited about in this one. Like Frank only played about 15 minutes. Um, Knox was was pretty rough. Finished two for eight from the field in 16 minutes. Like a lot of your young guys that you're looking to do big things, just kind of they weren't. Even Mitchell Robinson, like he he's the guy you look to for these bright spots, and he finished with 12 points, which is fine. But he he just That's good shooting, solid shooting. Just you know, four rebounds, no blocks, three fouls, like in 22 minutes so i don't know like this game was just kind of blah there wasn't a gr- there wasn't a ton of like energy or enthusiasm it felt like from from my perspective yeah 
And there, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of action, but it wasn't good basketball. Is how I would put it. I was, I was just watching this game. There's a lot of a lot of shots going up, a lot of rebounds, a lot of steals. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it was like nervous energy from it being a nationally televised game or something. But either way, like, I mean, Doris Burke was going off about how much she loved Jackson Hayes. Like the whole game, she just couldn't believe how good he was. Yeah. And he was – he ended up being a kind of a tough matchup. Like, you'd expect him to be the type of guy that Mitchell Robinson could really sort of just bully. And there aren't that many guys in the league like that. But but Jackson Hayes is good. Uh, he finished with 18 points, 10 boards in uh, just under 30 minutes. Like, he, he yeah, was th- definitely solid. I think this was one of those games that Jackson Hayes was the guy who, who Nuwaba does. Um, but, I I mean, I, I was a little more excited about um, Robinson's uh, six for seven than you were. I think – Almost all of them were dunks, which I like to see. And I, I remember there was a, there was one um, nice alley-oop catch from, from Frank f- to him that was a very exciting, you know, play. So I, I like it when, when Mitch dunks. I'm cool with that. And that's true. There were two two uh, pick-and-roll instances where Frank was able to, to get dunks, like d- one dump off and then one alley-oop to Mitchell Robinson. And, and those were, were great plays. And it seems like they have developed some really nice chemistry there. But um, – yeah, like I'd speculated to Greg. I think in our last podcast we played a game called Do You Care? And I asked Greg if he cared that like Frank was actually playing decently but not getting any minutes. And that was like the one thing that we both cared about. But, you know, then we saw coming in today, I mean, not to lead us to Miami, but that Frank was actually out with the groin injury. So it kind of, you know, it, you, it leads you to believe that he was dealing with those issues in the week prior le- leading up to this Miami game. So, like, you know, it kind of it kind of gets uh, Mike Miller off the hook a little for not playing him, and, and it just goes to show that like fans don't always have the whole picture, right? Like we're criticizing yeah. Miller for not playing Frank for more than 15 minutes a game, but I guess he was he was probably dealing with this groin issue. Hopefully, at least. Hopefully, that's an acceptable excuse. We we don't know that. Yeah, it's all speculation. But we'll take yeah. it. Well, I'll I'll choose to believe it because I want to. Um, it's usually how it works. I mean, I think we're done with this mad game. All all this time, which has been biding time to talk about the Heat game that happened today. Yep. And for for Tom, I'll say the Knicks played this game without their best player, Marcus Morris. For Kenny, I'll say the Knicks played this game without their best player, Frank Nielakina. And yeah, sounds about right. Knicks came out with a victory, one twenty one, one twenty four. The the Heat started this game on a so R.J. Barrett started the game with a layup. He's playing with a headband. And from that point, the Heat went on a 7-0 run, and I was like, oh, my God, this is bad already. And from there, you know, the Knicks just came back, made it, I think, like 11-7, to at least tied it. And then it was just it was just a ball game the whole entire time. So you, you both watched this one. Or, Kenny, you watched the majority of it, Tom. I think you just watched it. Uh, Tom, you want to give us your thoughts on it? Yeah, this game was awesome. Like, this was one of the most fun games to watch all season. Uh, they they beat a really good team. I I, don't, I know that Miami, uh, have they been struggling lately? I, I heard this was, like, the first time all season they lost back-to-back games. But either way, like, they did this without Marcus Morris, without Frank Nilekina, like you said. And, like, they just they did things in this game that they don't normally do, for example – they shot 82% from the free throw line, 23 from for 28. That's awesome. Like that's that's as good as it's gonna get. Um, 
like uh, R.J. Barrett finished eight of ten from the free throw line. He missed a couple big ones, but even so, like eight of ten is is so encouraging to see. And um, they put a graphic up on the screen that I think it was over his last eleven games or so. He's been in that like seventy percent range. So yeah, it's like high high seventies, high seventies. Like that's super encouraging to see. And then the other stat I wanted to point out, which is just evident if you watch the game, the Knicks outscored Miami seventy two to forty six in points in the paint because like they were I mean the Knicks weren't really hitting from three at all they were nine of 31 they were 29 percent from three but they were just getting whatever they wanted in the paint like we said we mentioned Barrett Julius Randle Taj Gibson was was chipping in there everyone just seemed to be Kevin Knox was was getting into the paint and finishing like towards the rim not just throwing up these passive floaters so overall like everyone was getting into the paint and uh and finishing and it was a, it was a beautiful thing to see yeah it was, it was a great game <clears throat> Kenny yeah and uh I mean I think I was texting you guys through the game during the game because um, there was a couple stretches where people got hot and uh, there was one stretch where Kevin Knox hit back-to-back threes and that's that was very encouraging um for me and I think uh, I think both of you because Knox has been a guy who's been you know struggling this season and he had a he had a big game today uh, like Tom mentioned, with uh, the 17 points on six of eight shooting, and he hit those two big threes. And then the other guy that uh, that kind of went on a streak for a minute was was Reggie Bullock, uh, Bullock, Bullock, Bullock. Sorry, uh, they uh, they mentioned that they changed the the pronunciation of his name at some point um, in the NBA media guide, and I'm still messing it up. Uh, but he had he had a big three down the stretch, and he you know he hit a couple big threes throughout the game, which you know that's he's been we had no idea kind of what what to expect from him uh coming in the season just with the injury and everything and he's not a guy that you know I watched a lot of before the season but he's had he seems like a very big piece um you know in on this team and you know the type of glue guy that you need on a on a good team uh so hopefully you know he's one of the guys that I'd I'd be cool with hanging on to although I think right now Still, we probably got to trade everyone. Yeah, I, li- I like him too. I mean, Bullock started the game 0 of 5 from 3, and I was like, uh, all right, like maybe it's hot. Because like, he kind of came out in his first few games for New York. I felt like, like he was a reliable three-point shooter. And for some reason, he had this 0 of 5 first half, and I was like, ah, oh, it seems very Wayne Ellington-y, little Ellington-ish. It's mean. And so, it, it was. It was a mean thought. And then he came out in the second half. He, he was 4-7 in the second half from three and just, like, was a huge part of the offense. So uh, it was like a total weapon. So it goes to show you that you can't judge it off one half. One bad half does not make you Wayne Ellington. Yeah, I think he had zero <laughs> points in the first half, and then he ended the – he scored 11 in the <clears throat> third quarter alone. And he ended the game with 16. So yeah. And I think – He's also he also played some some solid defense down the stretch. Um, on the very last possession, I think it was Julius Randle who was guarding um, Jimmy Butler. But on the pe- possession before that, uh, Reggie was guarding him, and I think I think he had a, a nice play to to kind of force the miss layup. Yeah, that's a great call, Kenny. And he's given up a lot of size on Jimmy Butler too. So he was just like he was just fighting. So uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like him. Um, I'm just going through. I guess one thing, if you're going to pick nits here, would be Mitchell Robinson only getting 15 minutes, the five personal fouls in 15 yep. minutes. Um, he just wasn't really an impact player in this one, which is a bummer. But 
at the same time, like you got to be happy with the end result here. And you like, you saw enough good things. I mean, RJ Barrett played 40 minutes in this one. He was such an imp- impactful, important player. Um, that you know you can't you can't get too down about one one bad Mitchell Robinson game. Yep, and I mean other than Mitchell Robinson, there's there's a pretty strong performance by most people. Uh, Julius seven guys in double figures. Yeah, all five starters and then Knox and Kadeem Allen uh, were all in double figures. <clears throat> Again, no Marcus Morris. Uh, Julius Randle just absolutely took over this game in the fourth quarter when the Knicks needed him to. Uh, there were some points when you felt like the Heat were really going to – they're about to make their run. I know there was a point in the fourth quarter where uh, Duncan Robinson hit a three and then Kendrick Nunn hit a three in back-to-back possessions. That felt like it might have been a killer. I think that gave the Heat like a five-point lead, kind of late-ish, second half of the fourth quarter. But the Knicks just grinded back and then kept going. Uh, Julius Randle – as I mentioned, just took over. Knicks were down two at one point, and he just hit. He hit a three, his first three pointer of the four in the fourth quarter of the season, which is crazy. This is the fortieth game of the year, and he's our, you know, most high volume shooter. I don't That's know. a wild statistic. I I couldn't believe it when they said that, but uh, I mean that was the biggest shot of the game, no question. And he was only one of five from three on the game here. So that means what he was he was nine of sixteen oh, for from two. Yep. He was ten for twenty one. Nine yep, nine for sixteen. That's the math. You nailed yeah. it. <laughs> I mean that's that's a great performance. He he really was just a bully. He was like using his strength, using his body. He he looked like fresh, he looked athletic and strong. So um those those few days off. Um though unfortunately he had to take him for personal reasons. Like he, he came back looking really good. And he threw down some really nice dunks and was just yeah yeah like he he looked awesome. Yeah, and that's 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 what I was about to say is like, I I early before this season I watched some of his like college and high school stuff and he looked like a lot more athletic player than I, you know, had realized and so I was thinking maybe there'd be some of that coming into the season. You saw it once in a while, but this game he had several like aggressive and you know athletic dunks and I was like oh. That's pretty cool. We should do that more often. Yeah, and he finished this game with 26 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, which is pretty good. We'll take that. 5 of 6 from the free throw line. He had two big free throws toward the end of the game. Um, He also had two big just drives and layups, strong finishes toward the end of the game as well when uh, it was a real battle back and forth at the end. Um, The Knicks, in Knicks fashion, were winning by 3 with under under 30 seconds left, he had the ball. Reggie Bullock fouled uh, Jimmy Butler. So he had three free throws going to the line, made the first two, missed the last one, which was very, very fortunate for us. Uh, R.J. Barrett got fouled. He was 6-for-6 six six from the line at that point. Nick Sudbert, 12-for-12 from the free throw line at that point. And then R.J. Barrett made one out of two, gave the Knicks a two-point lead. Um, Knicks had to play defense again. Uh, Taj Gibson was guarding Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler took an ill-advised two, but then they got a second chance uh, where Jimmy Butler went in, uh, took another ill-advised – or he didn't. He drove. That was the one he taken, dumped up. Yeah, should have taken the shot. Kicked it to Adebayo. Ball was lost in a scramble. And R.J. Barrett gets the ball again. Goes one for two from the line again. Knicks got a three-point lead. Uh, 
And then this was the best part of the other than the Knicks actually winning. This was more would have been more classic Knicks. There was, there was 0.5 seconds left in the game. Heat <laughs> down three. Uh, inbound pass. Someone whoever's guarding Adebayo did a good job of like contesting it, so he couldn't get it get the I think ball. It might have been Taj Gibson. Gibson. We'll give Gibson. Gibson was a dog on defense all game, so we'll give him credit for this one too, even if he didn't do it. But he may have done it. I, I just don't remember. So Adebayo just couldn't get the ball going. No one on the Heat could get the ball going toward the basket. It was very close to being a five-second count to begin with, but Adebayo caught it. Fortunately, there's only 0.5 seconds left on the clock, so the clock ran out by the time he turned and shot probably a 30-footer and just swished it. Before, fortunately, the buzzer had sounded. It was very. It would have been very classic Knicks if that ball went into the hoop in time. I know, and I, I was worried that like the, maybe the clock operator had started the clock early because I could tell when he shot it, it wasn't even close to being off in time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's weird because usually like a half a second is enough time to get a jump shot off. But, but he, he was kind of like in the air when he caught yeah. it, and he, he like got bumped, uh, like not fouled, but just like it was good defense. And so by the time he landed and like gathered and took the shot, it was way after the clock expired. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that, that's good. Yeah, like that. That's exactly what I was gonna say. He he caught it while he was in the air, and then like it took him probably a half a second to land, and then he turned around and just like tossed it up. And everyone, I was like, that there's no chance that was in it on time, but uh, they had to check it obviously, and it was confirmed that it didn't count. So Knicks win, big very very, very awesome win. Um, and we should mention that our Greg and I should mention that our our older brother was at this game, so he uh, he picked a, a good one to go to. And the Knicks are, I believe, undefeated in games that our family goes to this year. So, there's that. Got to get out more. Huh. No, but that that was a, that was a fun one, and it was it was much needed. I mean, the Knicks had lost five straight. Um, granted, it had been without at least one of our best players, and in some of those cases, two of our top two players. So, like, I wasn't putting a ton of stock like losses when you don't. Like, we'd been kind of joking all season, like, how would the Knicks? fair against other teams without their like top two best players the knicks don't have the kind of talent to, to like p- win games without their top two that's just not the how this team is built so i didn't really care that much um that they were getting blown out like against the lakers and the jazz but um i don't know in the pelicans even like those don't worry me so much but the fact that randall came back and led this team to a win like that was it was just a lot of fun and, and it was one that the knicks needed and, and knicks fans needed too yeah, and um, from the other side, Jimmy Butler had 25 points on 8 for 15 shooting. But the Knicks played good defense on him other than the Bullock foul, which was just it was just a very crafty move by uh, Butler where you just go use the screen and then you just stop immediately instead of actually using it and just rise up for three. Very unnaturally, but he was just trying to draw a foul and he was successful. Yeah, and you guys thought that was a foul because I know Miller challenged it, hoping they would overturn that call, and they ended up with it withstood the challenge. But uh, did you guys think that was a foul? So my one question, and I don't think there was a good angle of it, is whether I think it, I think it was Bam Adebayo who set the screen, whether he pushed Bullock a little bit because I think Bullock did make make contact, and it was probably a foul, and I think that was that was pretty clear in my mind, but. There was a little extension, but I don't know how much actual force there was. And from again, I think it was out of bio pushing Bullock forward into into Jimmy Butler. So that was my one question. 
Uh, I thought it was a foul. I mean, I hated it, but it was just very, very crafty by Butler. You Like, not a thing that you want to see. He wasn't playing basketball. He was just trying to get fouled, and he was successful. Yeah, I was hoping to see Butler, like, flail a little bit or jump to the side a little bit and do, like, an unnatural basketball play, which they will overturn when they see that. But he honestly did just kind of jump straight up and, and – trying to draw a foul though like you said yeah. And it was, yeah it was a good play by butler and yeah. you know that's why kinda, he, he's a good player so i kind of going going to the point of he was more trying to draw a foul than anything else like the shot he threw up was just yeah all backboard like, i don't all yeah, left don't, side of the backboard yeah it was nowhere close to going in and i don't think he got fouled enough to miss that badly but like as soon as he felt the contact he flailed out his left leg to the opposite side right and he just right. threw the ball nowhere near the rim i was like Maybe try to hit that shot. Well, he missed the third free throw, and the Knicks won. Yeah. So yeah. ball don't lie. Yeah, ball don't lie exactly. And again, from the other side, uh, James Johnson balled out. He didn't want. He tried. He would have been the Nwaba Award winner for this game had they won. James Johnson has played eight games this entire season just because he came to the season out of shape. He's been in the doghouse for the for the Heat, and he just came in. Six for seven from the field, three for three from three, 19 points in 21 minutes. Uh, he fouled out, which is why he fin- he didn't finish. So after Julius Randle had hit his first three of the fourth quarter to give the Knicks a, a – it was a, either a one-point lead or a two-point lead. I don't remember. It was a two-point lead, I believe. Give them a two-point lead. James Johnson just hit a three on the other side to just – Immediately. Immediately take the lead back, which was demoralizing. That was one of the moments when you thought – this we we might lose because after Randall hit that three, the Garden was going crazy. Uh, this is under two minutes left. Knicks just took their first lead of the, of the second half since it was fifty three fifty one, and they yeah. they held on. Yeah, and I very much felt the same way as you. I was like, he hit that shot, and I started celebrating a little bit, um, and then immediately, like so quickly, uh, James James Johnson hit that the three to to retaliate and I was like oh like this is very Knicks-esque and uh did not expect them to recover from that but I was happily surprised that they did so yeah so Randall hit the three with 216 left to give the Knicks a 116-114 lead Johnson hit it with 155 to just retake the lead by a point it's very unfortunate and then from that that point after the Knicks came down Taj Gibson got fouled he made two free throws, and from 138 on, the Knicks were just winning, and they held on yeah, to win w- the game. That, I think I believe that was Taj Gibson on. He got a offensive rebound on a missed shot, which I think was a, a big play. Yep. And then hit the two free throws. So that was, that's like you were saying, Taj being a dog, just uh, just getting after it and getting that getting that big rebound to really change the the course of the game. Yeah, that was huge. Actually, it's funny because I didn't think of the go ahead basket or like the go-ahead play as being Taj's free throws I was thinking of it as Julius Randle later on but but you're right the the Knicks never gave up the lead after those Taj free throws and that was a legit foul too like it wasn't like a ticky-tack thing he he went up got that offensive board and James Johnson kind of hammered him so um I mean after that like other than Jimmy Butler's free throws I don't think they made another basket so the Knicks played some really solid defense down the stretch, um, whether it was Bullock on on Jimmy Butler. Uh, there was just like a lot of good help defense too. I, I was noticing. So 
overall, like very impressive. And um, I know I mentioned like the, the Knicks scoring a ton of points in the paint. One kind of statistical anomaly I just saw here is so, so the Knicks score a lot of points in the mid range. They're one of the higher um, mid range, like one of the bigger teams that most rely on the mid range shot in the league, but they only scored two points from the mid range this game, which is straight up bizarre. Cause like they didn't, make a lot of threes either so it had to be all in the paint and uh, and at the free throw line so y- you love to see it absolutely i gotta mention one last thing about our boy taj gibson just that when rj barrett had the, the two free throws at the very end of the game with the knicks up three he had one more free throw to just seal the game with two and a half seconds left and he missed it but taj gibson was in there and he just slapped the ball into the air which uh Used two two of the last two and a half seconds, which is why Bam yeah. Adebayo didn't have enough time left. It's just a very great play, just just to slap the ball. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I agree with that. That that was a very crafty move to just to waste some time. Um, one thing I want to ask you guys about is, and I, we mentioned it a little bit, but Jimmy Butler's decision on that last play to dump it off, and like there was one angle that was just. Like he was very clearly like above the rim, and like had the opportunity to 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 potentially take a layup to to uh, tie the game and dumped it off instead. Like, what did you guys notice that, or what what did you think about that? I, I, I it was hard for me to re- really tell from the angle. I kind of thought he was like way too far under the basket when I yeah, saw. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought he was too far under and like didn't have a good look. But because I I heard Walt, uh, I heard Clyde saying that like. He had a look, and he just has to finish that. And I, I wasn't sure from the angle; it was really hard to hard to tell. Yeah, and it, from the initial angle, um, I thought that might have been the case. But there was one angle; I think it was from behind, where like it looked like he had the ball like above the rim, and maybe maybe I couldn't see. I think it was Taj Gibson contesting the shot, that, but like maybe Taj's hand was there. But I thought that he pretty had a pretty easy layup from the the rear angle from behind them, but uh, maybe. Maybe I uh, missaw that at the time. I don't. Know. Maybe you saw it right. I, I I really just wasn't sure. I was just I was just thankful for how it didn't happen. Yep. That's what matters. Um, I think that pretty much covers this game. Uh, I don't know that we well, we want to stop talking about this, but I guess we have to. We can move on to uh, to other things. I don't I don't know what else we want to talk about. I think the big story this week, rumors that the Knicks are interested in Andre Drummond. Um, I don't think there's a single Knicks fan happy to hear that for a variety of reasons. First off, uh, the the one player we have the most hope in for the future, I mean, maybe aside from R.J. Barrett, is Mitchell Robinson, and he is a center. And, you know, you don't really play two centers at the same time very often in the NBA these days. So... That's reason number one. Reason number two is we have no idea what it would cost to to get him. If it cost any draft pick, probably no. Definitely because of first round pick, definitely no. If it cost one of our young players, Frank Knox, no. They they can have Dennis Smith Jr. That's about it. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, and I I completely agree with you. I'm not really sure what the end game is here. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm a big Andre Drummond fan. He's from Connecticut. He went to UConn. Uh, we're Connecticut guys. But I I feel like the NBA 
at least on the offensive end, is kind of moving away from what he does. Uh, he is not a good shooter in any way. Um, he's a little bit of a rim runner. He's a little undersized at that, though. Uh, he's got pretty good um, defense on the perimeter, a pretty good defen- uh, perimeter defender. Um, there's, I know there's a, a YouTube clip that I watch every once in a while of him stripping Dwayne Wade twice in a row. Um, on two plays in a row, which is fun. Uh, but he just I don't know what the end game would be because I don't think he moves the needle for us that much. And like you said, he plays the same position as Mitch, and it's not like a situation where Mitch and him could play at the same time, at one at power forward, one at center, because Andre Drummond, a little undersized for a center, but very much a center and not has no ability to, to move down to power forward. And Mitch, similar situation, no ability to move over to power forward, particularly with uh, the NBA emphasizing shooting so much and neither of them being a threat to shoot from very far beyond the rim. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't want Andre Drummond on the Knicks, but I, I will say that, like, I did hear some, some chatter on, like, on Knicks Twitter that some people were like, well, you just got to bring talent in. Like, he's an, he's an all-star caliber player, and – like if you can get him without overpaying, then you have to like at least do your due diligence. Because some people were pissed that the Knicks were even like looking into this or like making phone calls about this. I think there was some some serious outrage that like maybe it would hurt Mitch's feelings that they're like looking at looking around. Um, I I don't know, guys. I I'm fine with like doing due diligence. I don't like that it got made public, but I guess that happens. But I don't see a world where this particular um, target in Andre Drummond makes a fit. Like, he's on an expiring contract, right? I'm seeing he has a player option for next season worth about uh, $28.7 million. I-, I wonder if he even picks that up and then just, like, I, I don't know. Like, someone's probably going to give him a max, right? I think people think that he's not going to pick it up. I think that is the the assumption. So you'd be trading for a player who's on an expiring contract, and and I guess the assumption would be that you'd be hoping to re-sign him if you're going to trade anything of value to get him. But like you guys have said multiple times, like he plays the same position as Mitch. Mitch is, pro- I mean, Mitch projects to be a much better rim protector than Andre Drummond is, and uh, and you can get you can just kind of like manufacture a lot of what Drummond does. And like project Mitch to be able to do that in the in the coming years. So, given the Knicks timeline where they're at, I mean Drummond's only 26 years old, but even then, even that's a little too old for what this Knicks core where they're at. So, I'm I'm 100% out on this Drummond thing, but I think that some Knicks fans actually are on board. And I I will say like I agree with the point that you have to do your due diligence on everyone, um, and I think that was a. Uh, that was the thing that I think got overblown with Phil Jackson uh, with the initial Chris Dobbs Porzingis stuff because they were saying there was report it was the summertime there was reports that he was look he was shopping Chris Dobbs Porzingis and then like you looked at the actual reports and you dug deeper which no one ever does and that's why there's such a reactionary um, situation on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it is and he was asking for like ridiculous things for Porzingis like I think uh, he asked for the Suns like their top pick and Devin Booker. And like something else, and they were like, no. And he's like, all right, then no deal. Cause, and I think it makes sense, and that's their job is to to test the market and see those situations. But like you you said, maybe the problem is when it when it becomes public and and people have a negative reaction to it. But that is their job. So that is a thing. And if they can get him for 
Dennis Smith Jr., then go for it. But if it's anything with any value, like not in, not interested. And it's not because we don't think Drummond is like a a fine player. Like we're all UConn guy. Like we like we like Andre Drummond, I guess. But he just doesn't make sense for this team at all. That's why it's it's not like because he's a trash player or anything. It's just it just. I don't know. I think a lot of people might look at Knicks fans saying no to Andre Drummond and laugh at us because, like, the Knicks have been so bad for so long that we would actually look at all-star caliber, like, players in their prime and say no chance, like, take Dennis <laughs> Smith Jr. Uh, and be like, what the hell? What are you talking about? And then the flip side of that, though, is that, like, if the Knicks made this move, they would get roasted for bringing in this guy who's – A big like, name. Not, he's a big name, and he's not going to do anything for them pre- for – for the foreseeable future because their team's just not good. Well, yeah, it's and not like he's proven to be a winning player in Detroit by any means either, right? Like, it's not like Detroit's really done anything and great. And Blake Griffin is a lot better than I, – I mean, I think he's a lot better than, than anyone on the Knicks, but maybe you guys think that Julius Randle or, or uh, Marcus Morris has made that jump. But I do I'm not. I'm not ready to say oh, that. Why would we think that? I'm in, yeah, I'm in, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, <laughs> maybe we're dumb. I'm insulted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's but that that's the whole thing is like that's the thing about the Knicks is if you're if you're we're in this huge market and regardless of what they do if we say we don't want Drummond people are like you're so dumb why wouldn't you want a player like Drummond and then if you if you say if you go out and get Drummond it's like that's such a dumb move like that's not classic move the Knicks needle. classic Knicks to bring in a big name that's not gonna change the franchise at all like it's a it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation and I just think. Like we just have to do what's smart, and what's smart is to not, you know, mortgage the future on Andre Drummond. Yeah, and like yeah, we well, well said. Like we mentioned, he's on a expiring deal if he declines his twenty-eight point seven million dollar option. And just just to put some some light on that, could you guys imagine if you were going to make twenty-eight point seven million dollars next year and you turned it down? To make yeah. more. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine that. Imagine that. It's a lot of money. I don't have that kind of imagination. It's a crazy. lot of quiche. If I made twenty-eight point seven million dollars for a year, I wouldn't do anything for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I think I'm with you. I think. I think it would be a lot less than that for me to not do anything for the rest of my life. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, I, yeah, I, would I would not be going for any more runs. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd have people doing runs for me. <laughs> uh, anyways, I don't know what else. If there's any other hot topics to talk about this week, you guys had, or if we should move on to the award season. Yeah, uh, n- nothing really burning. I mean, yeah, no- nothing comes to mind. I mean, we touched on um, Julius Randle and Marcus Morris both missing games. Um, yeah, I got I got nothing else really. All right, award season then. I'll lead off if no one's got anything. I'll, I'll go with the uh, the dog of the day. Sure. I think this one's pretty obvious. Taj. It's Taj Gibson, and not just of the day against N- New Orleans. He uh, was very good. As Tom mentioned, I think he said he was eight for eight from the field. <coughs> Followed that up with a five for sixer. 19 points against the Pelicans, uh, 16 or so points against this one. Maybe I just made that number up, but he was he was a beast today. And as when we were discussing that Heat game, all the defensive plays, it sounded like Taj Gibson, even if you didn't watch it by our description, 
Taj Gibson was in the middle of all the uh, all of the important defensive plays. We mentioned he hit the go-ahead free throws. He slapped that ball out. He slapped out R.J. Barrett's miss just very savvily. And he just does all the right stuff. I know he's he's won a couple of the of BBD's Big Baby David's awards in the past of what do you do here? Hmm. And it, it has been confusing because a lot of the time he starts, plays 14 minutes total, and you're like, I don't, I don't understand what he's doing. But these last two games, he was just being the Taj Gibson people know. He's being the guy that people think of when you say Taj Gibson, and it was very, it was very enjoyable to watch to see a guy on the team who really just cares about basketball, and cares about competing, and just does whatever needs to be done. Yeah, and I, I, th- I don't know if it was Breen or Clyde that mentioned it on the podcast, but or on the the broadcast. But um, you wonder how much of that has to do with, you know, Julius Randle was out and Marcus Morris was out. So it just kind of gave him some freedom at the power forward and center position to, you know, go out and, and play a little more of his game. And you see that he's he's got a little more left in the tank than, you know, we might have thought. Because while he is the starter, uh, I think for the most part, he's he's not playing all that many minutes. He's playing maybe 15 minutes a game. Uh, this week it was up to about 22, 23 minutes a game. But he's still got something left in the tank, and he he's still a valuable piece. And you know, I'm you guys know I'm all on board with with trade everyone. But the the two guys that I would hate to see leave the most are are Gibson and and Bullock after after what I've seen from them in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and so just a small correction, he had 14 points, not 16 points. I said 16 against the Heat. He also averages 16.1 minutes on the year. Just to, for comparison what he was doing this week so we love you Tosh you want you want to go Tom or you want me to to jump in you got one Kenny I mean I have I have an okay one I'm not I don't I don't love it let's always strive for here yeah I'm so I'm still coming up with a name you can you can go for an an okay one well I hope I don't I don't steal your player I've got I've got the trust the progress award nice one which which I am giving to, and we we touched on this earlier. I'm giving it to R.J. Barrett for this last week. He went, he shot 75% from the free throw line on six attempts per game. Um, I th- he missed two big ones um, down the stretch. He went one of two on two consecutive possessions. But like he was, what was he, six of eight today, or eight of ten? Yeah, he was uh, something. I think he was eight from the free throw line. He was eight for ten. Yeah, so it was eight for ten today, and and you know he's been shooting it a lot better. Um, whatever I don't remember the pod what they said on the podcast, but or on the broadcast. I keep I keep doing that, but it was like seventy eight, seventy nine percent. I think since the beginning of of January. So that's what you like to see, and it's because I believe in the first month of the season he was shooting forty one percent from the free throw line, and then each month he has improved since then. I think he was. Second month of the season, it was up to to sixty percent or something. There was a graphic on one of these games. I I read it. I liked it. I like I like that he's headed in the right direction. Hey man, and he's been shooting the ball. More, looks it looks better. That's what matters. Yep. So Tom, you ready? You still thinking of your name? Did I steal your player? You did not steal my player. Um, I so I yeah I came up with a name here. I'm I'm gonna give the Doozer Award. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
and I'm going to give this to Kevin Knox. And that's sure. so Knox is a guy who, who it's kind of funny like the way he comes up the most on these podcasts is when we talk about how we didn't talk about Kevin Knox. Sure. Um and then just on this wet last uh midweek pod Greg, I kind of went off about him just saying kind of how soft he was and how he just pulls up for these floaters way too much. I really went on a tangent about it because it does bother me and it still does. But in this game against Miami, like he just came out with so much confidence and it's just, it's ridiculous just to see what that kind of, that level of confidence can do, not just for your scoring. Cause like he did finish with 17 points, but he did a bunch of other stuff too. Like he, he had five boards, he had two assists, um, one of those assists was off a grab-and-go. He grabbed the board, pushed the pace, and then hit Julius Randle on the baseline, who just took a baseline and dunked on his guy, which is a big momentum play. And then his second assist was at the very end of the third quarter. The Heat were kind of swarming and trapping, trying to throw the Knicks off. And he threw a really nice cross-court pass to Kadeem Allen, who hit the three with, like, 15 seconds left in the quarter. And uh, And just, like... The fact that Knox was even like looking at that and like capable of making that cross court pass, it's just not something I would have expected from him. Because um, on the season he's he has been struggling a little, and, and it, apparently that has been a confidence thing. But in this one, he was he hit his he hit a couple threes, those back to backs, which were nice. But he was also just taking it strong into the paint. He got to the line a couple times for four. He was three or four from the line, and he was also just not pulling up for floaters and taking it all to the way to the rim. And, and finishing with actual layups, which I love to see, just him taking layups. And, uh, yeah, so so he really uh, – that's the Doozer Award. Yeah, uh, th- I know yeah. there was there was one play where it looked like he was going to do a floater from very far away, and then he just kicked it out to someone yes. for three. I, yes. I thought of you when he did that. It was very I funny. Mean, it was great. Like I th- Yeah, he was going to pull up <laughs> for, like, an 18-foot <laughs> floater. He really thought about it, and then he thought the better of it. And, like, he finished the game with zero turnovers, too. Everything. Everything about this game is what you hope for from Knox. He did it all in 20 minutes. And uh, and I'm I'm hoping that this is a turning point and that he's able to do it the rest of the season. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Amen. I mean, you mentioned in Knox uh, in the Heat game. I forgot to mention this about the Heat game. The Knicks were losing by 10 points going into the fourth quarter. James Johnson, I believe, hit a three at the very end of the third quarter buzzer to give them a 10-point lead, which was demoralizing again, and we just thought we were going to lose. But the Knicks outscored the Heat 40-27 to in the fourth, and we won. So when you guys edit this podcast and just cut what I just said and put it into the Heat discussion, smart. We don't edit this podcast. <laughs> oh. Ah, all right. Well, big baby David. I'd be surprised if anybody does. To be <laughs> whoever's, whoever's listening, just imagine how good that section would have been in the in the heat discussion. I don't have that good of an imagination. Uh, me <laughs> neither. They don't pay me enough money. Uh, Callbacks. Projections for next week: the Knicks have three games against one of the only two teams in the NBA better than them, the Milwaukee Bucks. Against a revenge game against the Phoenix Suns coming to New York. And against the 76ers, who will, I assume, will be without Joel Embiid. I don't really know. He he tore a ligament in his finger. It's He's out indefinitely. I don't know what that means. That can mean tomorrow. That can mean 
indefinitely. I don't know. So what are your what are um, your projections? I'm going to guess. Actually, it's not a guess. It's what it's going to be. That the Knicks will go two and one. Wow. So you think yeah, we're beating? So who who? I'm, I'm I'm taking that I'm taking that Sixers game and that Phoenix game. Good. I know early. I'm in a I'm in an optimistic mood after that Heat game, guys. That's fair. And we we were very close to being the Suns in Phoenix. It was a very good game. Uh, we just need to finish them off this time when they come here. It's a revenge game. Yeah, and it's also I don't want to you know sound a little selfish, but my birthday is coming up, and I feel like that would be a good gift for me. If the Knicks won a bunch of uh, won a couple games, you know, yeah, I We'd think their gift to you is not playing on your birthday. I see. Yeah, that's very nice of them. Are they not playing on your birthday? Do you know that? Or the Seventy Sixers game, maybe. No, the Seventy Sixers game is the day after Kenny's birthday. Uh, it's on January eighteenth, so Kenny yeah. Kenny gets to go celebrate his birthday. Wow, what a gift! Yep, very I'm thoughtful. Actually, I'm, I think I mentioned to you guys, but I'm going to UConn Villanova that day at. Uh, in Philly, because those are the two teams I rooted for growing up, and that's that's also exciting. Because I asked you guys, I asked uh, whether I should go to that game or the Knicks game, and Tom said, if you want to see a team you like win, I would go to the Villanova-UConn game. Is that what I said? That That's exactly what you said. It's kind of funny. That's very funny. Good job, Tom. Uh, I think I got to go one and two. I don't think I think all of us will admit defeat against the Bucks. And the Sixers just beat the Celtics without Embiid, which was a good game. I watched that one. Um oh, uh, I just we we just have to beat the Suns. We have to. In order for this to be bearable a bearable week, the Knicks need to defeat the Suns. Do we have any idea when Marcus Morris is coming back? No. No idea. I feel like he's day to day, so I don't think he's he's out for that long. Yeah. But, um, Tom, you can you can give us your projection, and I'll I'll use the Google machine, and just just know you have to either pick zero and three or three and zero because Greg and I took the other two. Right, and that's how we play this game, which is we don't have a set order. It's okay. I'm gonna stop complaining. It's gonna be so it's gonna be an zero and three week. But I'm gonna tell you what they're gonna Knicks are gonna play really well, and um. It's not gonna like it's not gonna bother me that they're gonna lose some of these games because they're not gonna have Marcus Morris for at least one of them, and uh, even when he does come back, like he'll have missed what four, five games by then. Like he'll be a little rusty, so I'm I'm not gonna be too worried about it. I just want to see the Knicks play well. I want to see the young guys continue to develop. R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. Want to see Frank get back healthy. I think that's all going to happen this week. It's just not going to result in wins, and that's okay. They'll go 0-3, but we're fine. We're fine with it. All right. It's going it's, it's to lead to a better draft pick, too. I got a question yeah. for you. If you didn't have to pick 0-3 or 3-0, what would you pick? I would have said 1-2. But you, you could you could still pick 0-3. I would have said 1-2, one, one actually. They'd beat all the right. Suns and lose to the Bucks and Sixers. But I, but, you don't, but, I already but that's that, not an so option would, for me. So it, yeah, it's, it's going to yeah. be 0-3, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Good and and just to follow up on what we were saying before, Marcus Morris was questionable before this game, which makes me think it's not that like he he's close to returning. Um, and just as a funny note, this is this uh, tweet that I'm looking at is from 52 minutes ago, 
and it says he's questionable for the Heat game, and it's a fantasy sports update. So I think they're a little late on this one. Perfect. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you guys got anything else. Uh, I don't think so. This is usually where we cut it after our projections. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, I had fun. We had a fun day of Knicks basketball. Uh, It's always fun when we win. Yeah, and especially when you come back against the third best team in the NBA. It's very fun. Yep. At the Garden, the Garden looked like a playoff atmosphere. They were saying, you know, Knicks are 10 and 29, and this feels like a playoff game with this atmosphere. So, best fans, best city. And now they're 11 and 29. Boom. And now we're eleven twenty nine, two games short of the eight seed. That, that's not that doesn't true. sound right. <laughs> I was gonna say that doesn't that's sound not right. To right. Me. But we're in the playoff hunt. Don't look at the standings, just take my word for it. <laughs> All right. So follow us at Talk Nicks on Instagram and Twitter. We have fun. Tweet at us. Talk about the Knicks with us. We enjoy it. We'll respond, probably. Um read read Tom's articles whenever they come out. Follow him on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> or, or Twitter. One thing Tom's on. <laughs> Follow Tom on Twitter. Uh, that's it. That's it for me. I had fun. We'll see you next yeah. week. All right. Thanks, guys. Next tape.